Everybody knows you never go full retard. You went full retard, man. be no loyalty except loyalty to the party. They're so threatened by the idea that a conservative speaker might be persuasive and interesting and funny. One man's vulgarity is another man's lyric. And I would say one person's offensive speech is somebody else's challenging the status quo, rocking the boat speech. Are you looking for a podcast that contains verbal safe spaces and is free from trigger warnings? If so, you've come to the wrong place. Because we expect our conversations to be filled with rigorous debate, discussion, and even disagreement. Welcome to the Socially Sensitive Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. I'm David. And I'm Wolfie. Yay, and um, little Mr. Taco's not going to be making it today. But uh, we'll push on without him until he gets back. Um, what'd you think of that intro? Where is Taco today? He was working still late this evening, so did you hear my little Love the in- intro sound? Love the intro. Yeah, you know, uh, <clears throat> that's from Tropic Thunder. Uh, you, you know, you can't, you, you'd never be able to do that today. Um, here, I got a little quick clip just to get it started with. Uh, it's, uh, because that was Robert Downey Jr. from, um, Tropic Thunder, but him and Joe Rogan were talking about that clip or the whole mm. movie, pretty much. The Joe Rogan experience. Do you think that you could do Tropic Thunder today? Would that be possible? Oh, you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like Eddie, you know, I look back to me, that movie to me was a circle back to my dad's movie called Putney Swope which I highly recommend uh, anyone who hasn't seen to see about a black guy who takes over an ad agency in the 60s because everyone votes for him uh, when the uh, head of the company dies because they think no one else will. And it's about what happens when someone who is free-spirited takes over an essentially corrupt endeavor. And then he realizes and confronts his own corruption. But... um, I remember I was probably two or three when that was being shot and when it came out and it was so a part of my upbringing and I just remembered some of the the folks that were around my dad at that time. And so when Ben called and said, hey, I'm doing this thing and, you know, I think maybe Sean Penn had passed on it or something like that. That was probably a good decision on his part. (laughs) Possibly wisely. And uh, I thought, yeah, I'll do that and I'll do that after Iron Man. And then I started thinking, this is a terrible idea. Wait a minute. And then I thought, well, hold on, dude. Get real here. Where is your heart? Yeah, well, they don't care where your heart's at anymore. It's not what are your intentions. It was, was a word said, you know, because it, you know, it, do, it doesn't even have to do with what your intentions were, which is 100% what it should be. But nobody cares about that anymore. No, no, they don't. They don't. Uh they don't want to look at the entirety of someone's life or anything like that. Right. If you've done one thing in your entire life, uh, stupid or whatever said the wrong thing. And you know, you can spend the next 40, 60 years apologizing for it. 
and people will never forgive you for it. And that's 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 where we're at today, I believe, in our society. Yeah. And that's a very sad commentary. Yeah, because <clears throat> I mean it's it's one thing for me to say, like, you know, I don't really see what I did wrong and never apologize for it, but for me to to grow as a human being and say, you know, I can kind of see where that would be wrong or that might be offensive. It just didn't come out the right way. And, and you know, I apologize for that. Right. You know, and so the people on the other side should be like, I mean, if I'm gracious enough to give the apology, then they should be gracious enough to accept it yeah. for what it is. I remember listening you know? to, uh, I used to listen to a radio show, Opie and Anthony all the time back in, uh, they first went to XM, I think, in like 2005, 2006, after they got, you know, fired off a regular radio. But they were always getting in trouble because they were, you know, shock jocks. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember one time <clears throat> they had worked out a deal. They were doing crossover shows with CBS. They were on XM radio, but then they like simulcast on CBS radio at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did like a cl- sort of cleaned up version for that. Um, but I remember them and th- so this was like probably 2008, seven, eight in that range, nine when, uh, they, the, the studio, the radio station, um, gave them pamphlets to read because they, I don't know, they had said something a little offensive, which like I said, they were always saying stuff offensive. And that was the whole, one of the whole points that they went to XM was supposed to be uncut, uncensored, you know, real talk kind of mm-hmm. getting away from, you know, they're not, you know, under FCC rules and regulations and right. a true genuine freedom of speech kind of thing. You can say anything on there. Let's, okay, go ahead. Um, I'd say there's this pamphlet they gave them. Um, I remember them reading it and making fun of it on the radio. Um, and I remember at the time thinking how ridiculous it sounded. But the title of the pamphlet was Words Hurt. And it was a breakdown on mm-hmm. how offensive some words can be and how the words themselves have power, not just the meaning behind them or your intentions or use. And I remember thinking how ridiculous that sounded at the time, that there was no way. And they kind of treated it the same way. Um, But then now look where we're at now, barely 10 years later. And your intention has nothing to do with it. I mean, you can say a word that sounds like a word and get in trouble for it. Mm. Yes. Yes, you can. But what was your uh, little thought there? Oh, well, something, I don't know, something you said brought up probably about, well, about a month ago before I went through my little bout of COVID. Yeah. Uh, there were people on, on Facebook that were all butthurt over General Forrest, Nathan Bedford Forrest, and he's got a bust up in the Tennessee whatever the the main uh, government building uh, the governor's i guess that's where the governor is and stuff like that yeah and and all these people were just pointing out the negatives of this man and none of them pointed out that after the civil war the next conflict that came along he volunteered for duty in that not as a confederate soldier 
but as an American soldier, oh. uh, as an American cavalry officer. So he considered himself an American, not a Confederate person. And even though he did suppose, you know, not supposedly, he was the, the, the leader of the KKK for a time. But then he seen the direction it was going. And he he was like, this is counterproductive to what we actually need to happen. And so he himself made the announcement, you know, hey, uh, th- you guys, this needs to disband. You need to burn your robes and just not do this anymore because this is stupid. It's counterproductive. And uh, one of his last appearances, he gave a speech calling for racial unity between whites and blacks. Right. So he starts off here. You know, he's just a guy, you know, he owned, probably owned slaves. I don't know if he did or not. Uh, but he lived in the South and uh, when his, when the South went to war against the, against the South, uh, when the North went to war against us, the same as here in the South, he volunteered for duty as a cavalryman, and he worked his way from being a private all the way up to being a general and was by all intents and purposes, a, a genius when it came to cavalry type tactics, but you can't say anything right. nice about this man because the only thing you have to look at and the only thing that the woke people will allow you to look at is the fact that he was in the South. He probably owned slaves and he fought for the Confederacy. You know, the rest of his life means absolutely nothing to these people. Right. They want you to focus on this one negative aspect of the man's life period. You know, and you think about it and okay, there's the negative part. Because everybody wants to show it. But then you, like I said, you see the other things that happened throughout his life. And maybe that's why Tennessee has his bust up in the, in the, in the government building. You know, right. is the fact that, you know, he, he grew beyond what he was. Right. There may be, maybe there you is know? a road to redemption. Exactly. A road type to redemption. Yeah. He, he didn't start off as the best individual, but how many of us actually did? Right. Nobody. None of us. Nobody. Right. You know, it's a process. But yeah, they're. Uh, <clears throat> and so, yeah, there's, so there's no forgiveness. You know, even though, like I said, the last public appearance he made, he would, he would, he gave a speech for, for racial unity between the races and stuff like that. It means absolutely nothing to these people. There's no forgiveness with the people on the left. Once you do one thing wrong, that's it. You're toast. Period. There is no coming back. That's why you get this cancel culture, which sucks. Yeah. And some of them, some of them on the left are starting to feel it because they're right. They're because, getting canceled. Because and then no all one, of a sudden now it's, oh, it's a bad. Yeah. No one Go is ahead. immune to it um, because, mm-hmm. no. <clears throat> I mean, the, the snake will always eventually eat its own tail. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so. a good analogy. So here's uh, Bill Maher. Here's Bill Maher and his show on HBO this weekend. Just humiliating cancel culture wuss bags who go, uh, and, and, like I told you, why? Because Maher understands that this eventually will come for him too. That's why. Check this out. And finally, new rule, liberals need a stand your ground law for cancel culture. So that when the woke mob comes after you for some ridiculous offense, you'll stand your ground. Stop apologizing. Because I can't keep up anymore with who's on the list. (laughs) 
Now, lately, Republicans have been trying to appropriate the term cancel culture to describe what happens to them when they get a just comeuppance for actual crimes. And this muddying the water is unfortunate because cancel culture is real, it's insane, and it's growing exponentially. And it's coming to a neighborhood near you. If you think it's just for celebrities, no. In an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. It's like we're all trapped in the hills have eyes and Wi-Fi. <laughs> Take Mr. Emmanuel Cafferty. He is, was, a San Diego gas and electric worker, but he got fired because someone reported him making a white supremacist hand gesture outside the window of his truck. But he's not a white supremacist, he's Latino. And he wasn't making a hand gesture, he's probably just flicking a booger. <laughs> I saw somebody got in trouble. It was yesterday. I can't remember where the picture was. <clears throat> it was uh, it was an officer. I can't remember what it was. He was doing the OK symbol in a in a picture, and of course, you know, that doesn't mean OK anymore. You know, they uh, they that's white power. You see the W and then the P. I'm trying to. I, I still can't. Yeah. To me, that's still just a circle game. Remember playing that in high school? Yeah. If I got my finger in your circle and broke your circle, yeah. then I got to punch you. Or if I, but if I missed, or if I show, <laughs> or if I show it to you and you see it and I, and I yeah, get to I punch you directly at it, but I have, I can't do it above the waist it has to be below the waist. And, right. Exactly. So, but if I look directly at it, I get hit. Yeah. So, uh, which I guess in in the, that in and of itself, you know, the fact that we were punching each other, yeah, <laughs> was it wasn't the problem. <laughs> but now it's if you just do the okay, you just a hand. Oh, you just did it. Yeah. Oh no. Um, the further the left goes left, and I listened to to because I I really I didn't particularly care for Bill Moore. No, I don't uh, either. But here, the but, past couple but, of months, he's he's getting. Um, I don't know if he's staying in the same place, and the left is continuing to go f so far left. They're dragging us with them from the right, yeah. to more of a mm -hmm. a center. And I think he is just kind of staying where he is. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he he's but, but he yeah he still points out the ridiculousness of both. Oh sides. yeah. Um, well, see, and this is the thing. He used to, I never really heard him point out the ridiculousness on the left. He was always, no, it seemed to me like he was right. always busting on Republicans. Now, he still does but bust here, on Republicans. Oh, yeah, he still does. But stuff like that with cancel culture and stuff like that, you know, I, and I've heard a couple of other little clips where I'm just like, you know, I could actually agree with him on, on what he's talking about right now. Right. Because this is stupid. You know, the way they're treating people and, and the way, and it's just not, you know, I, and I, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would like listen and agree with him about something. But, I, but like with that right there, with the thing he's talking about council culture just now, right. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's right. You know, oh, uh, what was it? It was, uh, oh, he was talking about owning your own silliness and your own stupidity. Oh, yeah. And he and he pointed out one thing about the Republicans. I think it was like climate change, being a climate change denier. Oh yeah, or whatever. 
And then on the other side, it was uh, on the left. It was he was another subject, and I think it had something to do with COVID or something like that. And he's like, "Look, you know, if they've got to own that, then you've got to own this <laughs> because that's their stupid, and this is yours." <laughs> you know. So yeah, it was. Hey. I was just like, "Wow, this is great." Not that I think we could ever sit down and like drink the proverbial beer together, you know. No, but uh, but like you know, uh, I mean, it, there, there's just no logic to it. <clears throat> I mean, some some parts I can understand. I guess the whole basis of cancel culture. A lot of people on the well, take this whole thing with Coke, Coca Cola, with the Georgia voting, and you know, Coke kind of speaking out against it. The right tends to want to sometimes jump into that cancel culture mindset and say, "Well, but there." To, in my opinion, there's a difference between cancel culture. And you choosing to personally not support a company. If you decide, hey, okay, I don't like what Coke did here, so I'm not going to drink Coke anymore. I'm not going to support them with my hard-earned dollars um, because I disagree with their worldview. Cancel culture deciding that you're going to make it your, your mission to put them out of business, which I guess in a sense, you withholding your dollars is is you know, voting with your well, dollar, but you're not one wanting... person, one person not buying Coke isn't like cancel culture. They're just like, okay, I don't agree with you. And since I don't agree with you enough, right. you know, it's, it's risen to the level of where now I'm just not going to purchase Coke. Right. That's totally different than like, say back a few years ago, the, the cake people that right. didn't want to make the cake for the gay wedding because they were Christians and they didn't want to make it seem like they were actually supporting uh, a gay marriage. Right. So they said, no, we don't want to do this. And then of course the, the gay people couldn't just let it go and go to another bakery. They had to get all butt hurt. And then they had to try to run that bakery out of business because they didn't kiss their butts and give them what they wanted. Right. Which is what it boils down to. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of like if let's say you don't like a television show. You can choose you just don't watch it. not right. You can choose not to watch it, but you don't have to go so far as to say, no, I'm going to make sure it gets taken off the air. So no one can watch it because then exactly. I think that's when you're crossing the line to is I'm not supporting it rather than I think it my opinion, because you have you're entitled to your view and your opinion and your choices. But the moment mm -hmm. you decide no one has the choice to watch this show or to listen to the, this music or to do these things, then you're, you're requiring everybody to have your choice and your opinion. And that's not how yes, it works. Exactly. We yeah, all individually make our own. Yes. But you know, if you feel comfortable watching that show and you like that show, watch it, right. wear it out. But that's why I, I have care. a problem sometimes with take, take like that cake. Um, just playing devil's advocate for a second. Okay, let's say they, I mean, I guess them as a business, you know, we, we keep, the, all both sides keep saying this now, is a, they're a private business. They can choose to, you know, do business with who they want. It's just like Facebook can decide that we don't want to do business with anybody on the right. We're, mm -hmm. we're going to allow the left to, to use our services unfettered. Um, but on the right, we're going to restrict and 
censor and limit. Um, and them as a free business, I guess they have that right. But is that cake company, <clears throat> them choosing, and I, I know it's based off of the Christian beliefs, to, they don't want to support. Um, or appear to support. Or, or appear to support. But they're doing business in a secular capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. Everybody that comes in that door is not Christian. Mm-hmm. So right. if you do a birthday cake for this person's having the birthday for their 16 year old son, that they're all non-Christian and the party is all based around, you know, secular gift giving and you know idolizing money and all of this other is that really any different if you're going to draw that line in the sand that we're only going to do is it only what appears on the outward to be opposed to christianity because if if they're not christian it all is I always look at it as if you're there providing a service, you provide a service to the best of your ability. Um, well, and see, this is what kills me too: is there used to be, you used to be able to hang a sign in your business that said, "We reserve the right to refuse service to anyone." Right, and you still can. Right, but this is it. The left doesn't want you to do that because the left wants you to accept everybody. Well, they want you to accept everybody. They want oh, yeah, to hang, yeah. they yeah. want to hang the sign so that they can refuse service. If I'm a bank, I don't have to because you went to Washington on January sixth to listen to you were nowhere near the Capitol, but you listened mm-hmm. to a speech. So yeah. I'm gonna choose to be as my as this bank to not do business with you anymore. Or if I'm an employer, I'm gonna choose not to, you know. Right. Or if you're a contractor that I had used in the past, I'm not going to do business with you anymore. You know, whatever, all of it. I mean, I, I mean, I guess there has to be lines drawn somewhere. Um, but because I've had this question, you know, conversation with other people before about when it comes to you don't want to support things that like. Uh, <clears throat> take with gay gay marriage or some people that wouldn't hire a homosexual employee but would hire an alcoholic because they view one as a worse lifestyle than the other yeah no if you're going to draw draw that christian line i think that's fine but stick to the line yeah sure exactly so then you're going to say, we're only going to hire Christian, we're only going to hire believers. That's it in this business. If you want to do that, that's your prerogative too, I think. Um, now, you're, it viol- should be. you're violating you a lot would, of EOC rules, okay. but. Yeah, but see, you know, they don't want you to be able to do that. But you can do that. It's like, it's like if, if I'm running a, if I'm learning a Catholic school and I, you know, I have somebody come up in some kind of minority of whatever it may be. And if I don't hire them because let's say they're not a Catholic, which I'm running a Catholic school, I'm pushing Catholic beliefs. Um, you know, not that I am not, I'm personally, I'm not a Catholic, but it just for sakes of devil's advocate. Right. You know, 
then I would want to know have people that have some kind of knowledge of Catholicism, right? And and you know because I want us all on the same sheet of music, basically, all of us going in the same direction, basically, right. you know. And then to have somebody come in that that isn't a believer, maybe actively, you know, homosexual, actively an alcoholic, or actively whatever, you know. If you take your responsibility seriously as being that educator, you're not going to want that alcoholic in the in the classroom as much as you're not going to want the person that's not the Catholic or the, the homosexual or whatever. You know, so you should be able to do that. You should be able to staff however you want. Right. You know, and I think as a, and, and religious- as a business owner, it should be you. You know, you should be able to do that as as a, yeah as a religious separate business like that. I think you can, right? But if no, I think they they're getting. They, I, I've I've heard a few stories in the past of people getting butt hurt about that particular issue. So now I'm not sure how many I'm not sure how many court cases have went one way or another because I didn't keep up with it. Right. But I think I remember it popping up in the news a couple of times. You know, so and so suing so and such. Well, lawsuits because, have nothing. You know, to do. Yeah, I mean, you can sue anybody for anything. But I was thinking that you still. Are, are you're you're still not obligated to the like the equal opportunity employment rules the same as say Walmart is. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, Walmart, in my view, Walmart as a corporation as a business should be completely amoral. There should be no. <clears throat> It should come down to bottom line. You know, they have a responsibility to their shareholders who have Mm -hmm. invested in their company to provide them the best return possible. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's a lot of companies like we were talking, the Coca-Cola and a lot of the, the woke, you know, the woke folks. The woke folks speaking out. And, you know, I like the big phrase, go woke, get woke, go broke, which is what happens to a lot of companies. They think because <clears throat> because most of the time, some of these issues, you're dealing with, uh, say, a 4 or 5%, 3%, really small um, minority vocal group of people who are complaining about something. So you're taking your entire 100% customer base and and focusing it all on this two or three tiny vocal crazy customer base because they're the loudest. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times that turns off a big portion of your customer base like you know, some Coke is seeing or something. What was the thing this week? Was it this week, last week? De- you know, Demi Lovato, the singer. She's like, I guess, singer, actor, actress, whatever. I don't really know a whole lot of who she is. I mean, I've heard the name and I've heard some things, but I just saw some videos of her. She was uh, upset about being in... Uh, I think she, I don't remember if she was in Whole Foods or what store she went in, but she was she was uh, she was upset with the store that she went in. Let's see where she went. 
But either way, she she was really mad that she went in to buy food, but she had to walk past all these um, sugar-free cookies and all these diet foods and all this, she calls it the diet culture vultures, that they're presenting um, unrealistic body images and pushing... I guess the idea of healthy eating is a negative if you have to. And she said because she has eating disorder, so it, it's triggering for her to walk through the grocery store and to see or the stores and see all of these diet foods that they need to uh, be more respectful of, I guess, people with um, body image issues. Instead to go of, back to to what we were speaking of, there is actually a someone uh, that was uh, Reagan, some guy named Reagan. He's got a uh, a podcast, and he was talking about having an unwoke HR website. So it's uh, if you basically just want to hire somebody that's not you know going to come in and try to you know try to correct society and using your company to do it. And all you're there to do is, is do, you know, is to run a business right. and make money. You know, you're yeah. And a, a lot of people uh, got really, uh, really pissed off at these people because they, they were actually, you know, ballsy enough to say, Hey, unwoke HR website. You know, yeah. I think, Personally, it's a great idea. You know, oh, if you don't yeah. want a bunch of crazy lunatic people, if you just want people that, you know, can do the job and, at, you know, they come in, they do their eight, 10, 12 hours, whatever it is they do, and they go home at the end of the day. Right. And if they do anything political, it's on their time. It ain't up at the, you know, right. they're not getting all political up, you know, in your company. Right. But while they're you working, know, you treat them. Equally and the same as you want would everybody. Everybody's treated everybody the same. Else. Everybody does the same, and they mm-hmm. they're free to do outside of the work whatever they want because when they're exactly. there, you're providing the best services for your customer and the best prices, and the you're paying them. To me, that's one of the always issue I have. You're, they always you're say you're paying, paying them, them a job. You're paying them whatever they agree to work for. Yeah, you're paying them to do a job, right? That. In, inside of my company, this is the job I'm paying you to do. I'm not paying you to come in here and, you know, do this job so many hours a day and then spend the rest of your time doing, trying to push wokeness right. on me and my company. That's not what I'm paying you for. I'm not paying you. for That's not the job that I hired you for. You know, if that's what you want to do, I'm sorry. And me personally, I think they, that's, I think that should be basis to fire. Right. It's like, you know, Hey, look, I didn't hire you to, uh, Make my company woke. I hired you to do this. Right. You're not doing this. And if you're spending time, you know, trying to push wokeness in my company and not doing your actual job, your primary job, you know, then you're you're not performing your duties. And so you're fired. But it, it's all going to trickle down from, you know, when our government continues to push equity instead of equality, you know, mm-hmm. that they want. Um, so is it's going to turn into, well, like we've talked before, some of the, the businesses to be, to be 
a so publicly traded company. Push, if they're going to push equity equal outcome, right? Then what they're going to have to do is they're either all going to have to make us a Bill Gates type millionaire. Or they're going to have to tax the crap out of Bill Gates and get all his money away from him, so he's down here with the rest of us. Equal outcome. And if they and if they decide to make us all Bill Gates rich, can you imagine how much it's going to cost to get a loaf of bread? You'll take a wheelbarrow yeah. full of money in just to buy a loaf of bread. It's like I've got my here's my wheelbarrow full of money. Right. I need one loaf of bread, please. Like I said. Whatever you have agreed, you as a business owner and your employee agrees to work for. I mean, I I think that's how capitalism always works. I mean, you work for the company you work for and they pay you what they're they're going to always want to pay you the least amount they can get away with. And you're always going to mm-hmm. want to make the most you can always get away with. That's how negotiation mm-hmm. works. And then you all yep. will come to an agreement that they'll pay you this and you'll accept the job at this. And then once right. you all come to that agreement, then you have that job. But if they're not going to offer you, you don't take that job. Right. Um, or if you demand more and you want another job and you have the ability and the skills to get that job, go get it. But just because the government says, no, we're going to raise minimum wage to 15 an hour. And these businesses, I mean, it doesn't matter what, if they're going to make up some arbitrary number, let's raise it to a hundred an hour. It's not going to matter because every dollar of it is going to get passed on to the consumer. Like mm-hmm. every other expense in business. Mm-hmm. I mean, if when fuel prices went up because of, you know, or the, well, anytime fuel prices go up. And they always say, well, okay, now I remember the cost of cereal had to go up and the cost of toilet paper went up and uh, the cost of a lot of these large bulk items because of transportation costs are a big portion. And and they always say that the price went up this amount. But once the price comes back down of fuel, they never lower the price of cereal or I mean, there's a lot of things involved in it. But point is that when they... Uh, raise it they just adjust it into the pricing and you as consumers paying for it so it's not like they're going yeah oh well we're just gonna only make we we run a, a 4.6 percent net for the year every year this is what our we goal our goal is a uh, growth year over year but our expenses here went up and payroll is one of the largest expenses for most businesses they're like they're not gonna go oh well we're just gonna eat that they're gonna there's a couple of options. They're going to go, okay, we're going to either have to raise our fees because we're still coming in at 4.6% profit or higher this year. That's our Regardless. line in the sand, right? Either Regardless. we're raising our fees they, or we're and they know, not higher. They know how to adjust those things right. so that they will get that 4.6. Right. You know, it's the, like you said, raise the price of the product, uh, lay some people off. I mean, you, you never want to do that. You know, I mean, I don't, I really have a hard time believing that even these really huge corporations that lay people off, that they got up that morning and was like, ooh, how many people can I lay off today? Right. You know, that's. I don't think there's anybody that's that callous. If there is, you know, his name is Scrooge. Right. 
period. Uh, but, you know, they're like I said, if, if they're a publicly traded company, they're beholden to their investors to bring them back the maximum return for their investment, which means that, you know, in unfortunate times, people get laid off. Right. You know, and if they're going to push this $15 an hour thing, you know, like I said, they were already, they, when they first started talking about this real seriously, McDonald's started experimenting with, with robots. Right. Well, they've so already got the if, kiosks out there that once co yeah. once COVID is completely, you know, back to normal and you, you know, aren't going through the drive through. I used anytime I ever went into McDonald's, I always used the kiosk just so I didn't have to deal with a real person at the counter or, you know, and I know a lot of people are like, well, that's putting people out of work. And then same, same thing in Walmart. When I go to Walmart, I 100% of the time go through self-checkout. Um, because I like to do it myself. I don't want to deal with other people and I just want to do it. Um, and they say, well, that's putting people out of work. Every, you know, every technological advancement, when it makes something more efficient is usually going to put somebody out of work. Yes. Unfortunately, that's true. When they invented backhoes. You know, you could say, well, I'm never going to buy a backhoe because I want to make sure I've got 35 ditch diggers digging, you know, my ditches by hand with a shovel to keep people at work. You, you're not doing that. Anytime they come up with some advancement, that happens. And usually those jobs just roll over into something else. Um, but here's the really crazy part about what you're saying, and I get where you're coming from. The government has put so many laws in place. Like, like back years ago, the, I think they were saying the, the Bill Gates or whoever it was to come up with the first, you know, personal computer basically built this thing in his garage. Right. And then comes out like, Oh, look, we've got this thing now. It's great. They well, put Apple, so many Steve laws Jobs, in place. Steve Wozniak. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Whoever they were. Yeah. They've put so many laws and stuff into place that now, you know, you can't have that little workstation in your garage because of whatever reason. Right. And, uh, you know, so you get into the point to where you get too many laws. You're yeah. going to stop this innovation, you know, or slow it down incredibly. You well, know, you, like, you still can until you get big enough. Because yeah. they never pay attention until you're big enough. Everything is for your safety. Well, it's kind of like uh, I remember hearing a bunch of people argue not long ago. I think one of the states was talking about doing away with uh, like a beautician license mm -hmm. re requiring you to, you know, have a state license, um, whether it's a barbershop or. Um, and I, it made me start to think I, I could see 30 years ago the state requiring that because we want to protect the consumer to make sure you're not going in somewhere getting your hair cut by somebody who has no idea what they're doing. But in today's well, see, world, that's not going to happen, is it? With Yelp and Facebook and all these other things, would everybody in the community not know as soon as somebody opens something that's horrible? Yeah. Because... Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. that It's interesting that you chose barbers as a, uh, as a topic for this because back... A very long time ago, barbers were oftentimes, you know, not only did they cut your hair and shave your face, they all sometimes they even, you know, pulled teeth. Right. 
you know, so they were, they were, you know, they, they did the hair stuff and they were dentists. And so they had to have a certain level of training to be able to do that job. Now, of course we have, you know, we go to the dentist and they don't cut our hair because all they do is dentistry. Right. Uh, but you know, back a long time, back in the day, barbers actually knew a whole lot of stuff because they knew like, you know, how the blood vessels and stuff ran through your face, you know, so that they knew not to cut, you know, oh, if I, if I slice this right here, that's the juggler and they're going to bleed out back then. And with the wide area of expertise that they were dealing with. Right. Yeah. I can see a license. I can see some kind of, you know, yes, this guy has gotten the training that he needs to be able to pull your tooth and shave your face and cut your hair all at the same time. But, but now there's, I just don't really see as where it's all that, you know, relevant or pertinent to have a license to just cut hair. Right. I mean, I understand yes. that you, cause I think the market will just dictate, I mean, it, it already does dictate who, who's successful in it. Um, but does the government have to be involved in giving you the yay or the nay on, uh, having the ability to do it? Well, see, here's the weird thing about it is when we went through the great depression, uh, back in the thirties and the forties and such, no, it just didn't collapse you know, our, our economy, it wasn't just ours that collapsed. Right. It was a worldwide collapse. Right. And we had a president who wanted to be able to pick the winners and losers. Yeah. And so he passed laws to that effect. And by doing so, he made what was a just a depression for the rest of the world into the Great Depression here in America because by doing so and wanting to make it look like he was doing something positive. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how much things change, but they stay the same. He wanted to present the, the visual, just like now, if you don't wear the mask, right. You don't have, you know, you don't care. And with through the pandemic, the government was still picking the winners and the losers. If you're this business, you can't be open. If, if you're a mom and pop shop that sells f- this, you can't be open. But if you're a Walmart or a Costco, you can be. You can be. Or if you're um, Amazon. Even though you you're selling be. the exact same products. Um, mm-hmm. but if, or if you're a restaurant, you can't be. You know? Right. So, I mean, so his actions, I believe, directly resulted in a longer depression. And the only thing really that brought us out of it was World War II. Because the country had to get on a strong uh, military production yeah. type thing. And so the, all these little stupid rules that he put in place over the years, he had to kick out and say, well, you know, this is getting in the way of war production. we got to get rid of it. You know, we got to get people back to work. And so that's what happens. You know, and it was, a, it was I'm not saying the world was a good thing, but uh, plus the fact that FDR was president for, I think, 12 years. Yeah, he was thereabouts. He, he was the he was the reason they changed it, wasn't it? Yeah, he's the reason that they actually put term limits on the presidency because they didn't want one individual having that much power. Yeah, it was ratified on in 1951. He passed for the 22nd Amendment. I threw this up on Facebook earlier. This question: um, Would you have been in support um, of the Civil War? the past civil war, not the one we're currently in. Mm -hmm. Um, Would you have been in support of the civil war 
if the Confederacy agreed to and, in fact, abolish slavery. Let's say the Confederacy completely agreed to we're abolishing slavery. We, we, we understand it's wrong. That's, it's not, mm-hmm. uh, we're not using it as a, a bargaining chip kind of thing. It's, it's just not, it's not even an issue of the war. Mm-hmm. Would you have sided on the Confederacy? Hmm. So as far as what you're saying, because right now, if you say anything, slavery, from the Confederacy, let's say you're slavery wasn't an issue at right. all. Right. As far as the Confederacy goes. Right. If it would have, uh, because the main, I mean, the main reason was states' rights. Um, That's what I've always heard. Is right. It's always been a states' right. Now, slavery thing. was one of those huge state rights that they wanted to keep. Right. If that wasn't an issue of it, because now you, you could never say, I support the Confederacy, or I would have supported the Confederacy, because then you're a racist. You come off as a racist, because well, see, most and people here's today else. only... The, the economic basis of the South was, it was based in slavery, which was wrong. But the, the North, and I think one of the, one of the driving forces was the fact that you know, they were more of an industrialized North, whereas it was agricultural in the South. And uh, the people in the North running these huge businesses, they had to pay all their employees. And they're like, well, it's not fair that they've got slaves. You know, I don't really think they really cared one way or another about whether or not the black man was free. It's just the fact that, you know, hey, these Irish and, and all these other people are coming over here. They're working in my factory. I got to pay all of them. Right. But they don't have to pay their people. Right. You know, which in itself is wrong. Like I said, slavery is wrong. I don't think you should be able to do that. But, you know, whatever you, however you look at it, you know, there's economic reasons for things going on. There's moral reasons for the reason, you know, for the slavery to, to be against it and stuff like that. Uh, just purely on a, I mean, if, if slavery wasn't an issue, if it was just the fact that let's say, let's say, and, and it's, this is probably going to get me in trouble with a lot of people, but let's just say that it wasn't slavery. Let's say it was the sale of tomatoes. The government's coming down saying that you've got to sell tomatoes. Whether you like them or not, inside of every store, there's got to be tomatoes. Right. You know, I'm like, well, you know, number one, if you if you live in an area where most people are growing their food, their own food, you know, why do I have to have tomatoes? You know, so now you're infringing on my rights to do, you know, commerce and, and live the way I want to do. Right. Or let's say you have to eat tomatoes. Not just sell them, but everybody's got to eat a tomato. Well, let's take every day. Everybody's got to eat at least one tomato. Let's take it back to last because week, last week's conversation with the police. Let's say our federal government steps in and says that no, we have to federalize all of our uh, state and local police. It's just we've given them enough time, and the states aren't doing it on their own, and we're going to have to do step in and fix it regardless of whether you, there's a problem or not. Or there, See, now that totally, goes, that totally goes against the Constitution. Just like slavery. On, on so many levels. Just like slavery. So they're yes. stepping on states' rights to do that. So mm-hmm. would that be a justifiable right for the states to say, no, we are seceding from this, this push. We are... 
if you even if it just say one state does it, let's say Texas, let's say the other forty nine states say, yeah, we're fine with it, we're they're dumb and go along. But Texas is like, no. Texas is we have our own. We've got our rangers. We've got our, you know, our police force. We do our own thing. This we have well, the right as a state to do that. The federal government has no right right, right to do that, and it creates this civil war. Well, here's here's the interesting thing about the whole thing is if you're joining a union, right, which is the the United States is the union of states then there should be some kind of mechanism for you to decide to quit being yeah. in said union. Right. If, if the, you know, the federal government that you set up becomes just this huge octopi and it's got its hands and tentacles in every single little aspect of, of the state and, the, and, and even in down into individual people's lives, then should there not be some kind of mechanism to be able to say, okay, look, it was advantageous for us to join when we did. And to stay as long as we did, but now things are getting bad and wrong, and you're going too far, and uh, <clears throat> and so now we're going to leave the union, right? And uh, and go out on our own. Okay. At what point? See, at what point does it cross that line? Because that is exactly what they did in Chaz in Seattle mm-hmm. over the summer. Yeah. The only difference was they were occupying land that wasn't theirs. Yes. They took over already occupied land that it wasn't like the state was doing it or even a, a town or a community that said it. It's like it would be like you going to, into your next door, next door neighbor's house and saying, nope, this is now the, 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 the land of Wolfie and it's mine. And I'm first thing I'm going to do is what they did is build a wall around it start having armed guards walking the streets and controlling the flow of people in and out. The Seattle mayor was had a didn't have no problem with it. So Yeah. It was the summer. Well the of Seattle love. Seattle mayor's a leftist. And yeah. That's why she didn't care. And until the the woke crowd decided to come for her, that's when she did start caring. Right. And that's when she said it was wrong for him to do that. But I mean just purely as an intellectual exercise, you know, at what point do you as a state, you know, do you have do they have the right to secede? Now, because interestingly, you know, people look at that the states now as a in a different way than they did back when they first did all this stuff and brought it together. Right. And I've said this before that uh, when you talk about a state, you know, you're talking about the state of France, the state of Spain, the state of Italy, the state of Germany. You know, it was a whole that was it was the country. And so our founding fathers looked at Virginia, the state of Virginia as being a country unto itself, you know, and Georgia being a country unto itself. And they came together for mutual aid and benefit and protection because they were on this what seemed to them this this huge continent. Right. And they were just these little bitty small, in the beginning, colonies. But then they elevated themselves to state. So they were the country of Virginia. You know, the sta- it's the same thing. And so they looked at it as coming together in this union. And they had a they created the idea of the federal government to help regulate things between the states. 
no one would have any kind of unfair advantage and 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 there would be pretty much a an equality all over and that's an, another reason that the, they they once they got into this mindset they're like you know well if they're going if you're going to do that then there's got to be a bill of rights right because a lot of them wouldn't have, have come on board if there was no bill of rights you know saying that we're going to protect a person's right to do this a person's right to do this uh the government can't do this, you know, unless it has a warrant or the government can't do this. You know, it's it's actually the Constitution puts a whole lot of can't do's on the government, on the federal government. Right. Which over the last, you know, 200 some odd years, they've just decided to totally ignore, you know, well, which is wrong. What if like uh, as an example, take <clears throat> I remember there were some things going on because it, take Oregon or Washington or Kentucky or any of these areas like Kentucky, you look at the, the, after the election, it's a sea of red, except for two dots, Lexington, Louisville. They're both blue. Oregon's pretty similar to say a sea of red with uh, like Portland is blue, you know? So, I, so I, there are that many people in those two cities that they can sway the whole state to uh, be well. Kentucky, to be blue. Kentucky, Kentucky, pretty much is a red state. Um, but there are some cities. Oregon, pretty much. Portland sways it. Like, well, Georgia. It, there's like three cities: Atlanta and what's two others that pretty much turned well, see, the, that's, that sway, that's, swayed that's, the entire state. What's a what's a more interesting question is why is it that these large cities always seem to be the place where these uh, the the blue leftist type people why is it they end up always in, and they don't end up out there in the why do they seem to concentrate in these large cities like New York City a whole lot of blue going on there I think a lot of red down, are people even, that want to take care of themselves down, and do for themselves. And blue is a lot of people who want the government to take care of them and who want, um, I don't want to say government assistance, but if you are, if you're, that, well, you can get, you can get, by the, you can get government assistance anywhere. You can uh, live. In, you your opportunity, opportunity for it is a lot better in, in the, the larger the city. <laughs> yeah. But that's, so what, you know, like even in Texas, like I think Houston or Dallas or, you know, there's like, that's, that's their bastions of right austin of liberal yeah. yeah austin maybe i think that's it yeah uh but that's where all the liberals go why is it that they seem to want to if you ask a know, liberal in, if you ask a liberal they say because the intelligent people live in the city and the dumb people live in the country that's really? what a liberal will tell you if you ask a, a conservative they'll say free people want to live not as sheep in a pen and some people like to just be penned up but mm. but my point with oregon was let's say portland is here right and then this all sea of red some of these other states idaho was one that i was thinking that was like they were offering all of this area can come over here let's say we annex three quarters of the state into Idaho and let them keep that little Portland piece. So you're not actually seceding from the union. 
you're just moving into a more uh, like-minded state without actually even moving. Right. So, well, see, now the interesting thing about this is since they're you're bringing up annexing a part of another state is the whole reason, and because now they're talking about giving statehood to Washington D.C. Right. And the whole purpose of Washington D.C. is it's the District of Columbia. Right. It and, has to be separate. And in the beginning, they didn't want any one state to be able to say that they were the seat of power. So they made the district where they did, you know, pretty much, you know, not all the way up in the north, not all the way down in the south, but they made it like right there, kind of in the middle between Maryland and Virginia. And really weird. This is also weird. Maryland gave them crap land to build on, to build the the federal government. I think it was like swamp land or some crap like that. So it was like crap land, but they give it, they give it over to the federal government to say, okay, here is your piece of land so that the federal government can have a place and it will be theirs. It's their district. It's not a part of Maryland. It's not a part of Virginia. Right. It's right. It's, it's theirs. That's why it was created. It's never meant to be a state because now you've got, what are you going to have the, the state of Washington district of Columbia? You're going to have to change the name, Washington, DC, the state of Washington, DC. And it makes no sense. Now we've already got a Washington state, Washington state. So what are you going to call the district? Are you just going to call it the state of the district of Columbia? That makes that that's stupid. I don't know. Well, that's what in the, in the article, in the constitution, in the article, that's what it says. uh, The district constituting the seat of government in the United States shall appoint in such a manner as the Congress may direct a number of electors, the president, vice president, equal to the whole number of senators and representatives of Congress to which the district would be entitled if it were a state, but in no event more than the least populous state, which is why they have just the one delegate, but, or the one mm-hmm. uh, congressional spot. But, um, well, see, this, it's a, this whole thing is for statehood is a push to get new senators because right. you know, pretty much. Washington DC is probably it's one of your more liberal areas. Yeah, but you're it, have two, it, but it would you're still have only two, add one, have, one electoral. It would, two, it would add two senators, and then however many according to population would be the House. But they would get two senators, and that's what they want because right now everything's pretty much tied fifty uh, fifty with the vice president or the she's actually the president of the Senate being the deciding vote. So if they can make Washington, D.C. a state, they still get two senators because every state gets two senators, and that will put them in the majority. So now that's uh, being a 50-50 split, it's now 52-50. That's why the push to make Washington, D.C. a state. Right. Because they want that majority. Well, that's what I'm saying. But the uh, census swayed enough of that that, that D.C. is that, not going to matter now. That's also why they're pushing, let's add four more seats to the Supreme Court. Right. Because well, when they and that, became, and when that's seats not became, either, but. became vacated because of, of Supreme Court justices dying, the president did his job. And of course, since they had the majority in the Senate, he pretty much got his way. Right. And well, that's, a, that's why they want that, is because now if they're going to expand the court four more seats and make it 13, now they've got a, they've got a, a huge left-wing, you know, president, and he's going to be able to. He's not going to appoint a conservative judge. He's going to, you know, 
a whole bunch of these far left loons are going to go. Right. And but so, that's, that's what I'm saying. But with the DC was an issue before the census restructure. Mm-hmm. Now the restructure after the census just came out, the results, mm-hmm. seven states lost um, yes. house seats, California, Illinois, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, all, mm-hmm. all blue except for West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and the states that picked up, Texas picked up two, red, Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon. It's kind of half and half there. So, but overall, red is going to pick up more than blue, or how it has traditionally been in the past. So, well, see, and this is what needs to happen. So the DC is not going to play that actually, big a difference if actually, anymore. If you're actually fleeing a blue area like New York City, right? To because it's finally got to the point to where it's unlivable because taxes are too high and all this other crazy crap. If you're leaving that area. I should hope that these people would be smart enough that when they come into these other areas where it's a lot easier to live, you know, Tennessee, Texas, you know, taxes are lower and everything else, then don't bring the stupid ideas with you from up there that made you want to leave to begin with. Yeah. So, some are, but people I have hope, a, I would hope that they would have enough sense not to do that. But they will initially, but people have a short, <laughs> short memory. That's true, too. So I don't know. They do, but, uh, they do have a short memory. Oh, but jumping back to uh, cancel culture, saw a thing. Um, what's his name? Justin Bieber is getting canceled too. What's Bieber getting canceled uh, for? He he was fixing he was fixing his hair. A cultural appropriation. He was he was doing dreadlocks in his hair. And uh, okay, so somehow upset. somehow not washing not washing your hair is a cultural thing. Well, there's a little bit more work to it to get them dreads than just not washing them. But, well, but, sure there is. But, I mean, if your hair grows and you don't wash it and you do whatever it is that you do, what's the problem? No. Yeah. yeah. If you're canceling someone over something like you've got way too much time yeah. on your hands. You need to go find something. Get a hobby. Yeah. Something. Other than, you know, just look at who's culturally doing what to who. Well, oh, you're misappropriate. No, I don't think I am. It's just a haircut. It's just a hairstyle, you know. Well, it'd be like you. Let's say you decided you want to open up a burrito restaurant. I want to sell the best burritos in the country. You know, you couldn't do that. You would be ups. They would attack you for cultural appropriation. Sure they would. Sure they would. Instead of, how about we just let everybody try everything? And then if, uh, you know, the customers decide that, no, we don't want to go there. Well, if, if, if that's what you're going to, if you're going to say, you know, he can't do dreadlocks because it's cultural appropriation. So if that's going to be the standard that you set, then just because you're black doesn't mean you get to have dreadlocks. Right. Well, then can you've Beyonce actually, straighten hers be and do blonde? From an area, you got to actually be from an area where dreadlocks come from, right. so like Jamaica or something like that. So if you're not Jamaican... Only they can have dreadlocks, not just black people in general, but only people that come from Jamaica, whether you're white or black, it doesn't matter. If you're from Jamaica, which pretty much I think is where dreadlocks come from, then that you get to have them, yeah. period. Nobody else gets to have them. You know, don't matter where you're from, except for Jamaica. Those are the people that do the dreadlocks. But the, history, the, ones that get the history of where and you if came you're from doesn't person, matter. You're growing dreadlocks and, you know, and you're not from Jamaica, then you're culturally appropriating dreadlocks also. So you should also be canceled. 
Yeah, but they don't, they don't follow any of that. No, no, no. They don't follow a logical progression of, you know, point A, point B, point C. They don't do that. It, it's like Kamala. So Her family is from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And uh, she can she, wear them. It would be okay. She's African American, even yeah, though there's no bloodline there that's African. Well, no, I think her dad was African, and her mom was from like her mom is from India. Yeah, from India. Her dad's from Jamaica. He's actually right. founded one of the big slave towns there. Well, his ancestors or his ancestors did. His her, now, is he her a, is he, is he a white guy? No. No, he's so he's a black guy. He's a black guy. His mother's in okay. her mother's uh Indian Indian, not Native American Indian. Right. So there's no there's no Native American in her line, is what you're saying. And I get that. And there's right. not. Right. But no. they're claiming that she is. Uh no. They just say Indian. No, I've heard them say that, you know, that she's the first woman of color, that she's the first yeah, black her, American. They, because her president. father is black. I mean, yeah. he's Jamaican black, just not African black. And Jamaican black doesn't fall into that line anymore. That's why they changed it. You're not African-American anymore. They don't use that term and they don't use black anymore. They use IPOC, IPOC, indigenous people of color, which means you had to, you have to have a bloodline ancestry through slavery in this country. So if you came over here from Nigeria you're, let's say your parents are your first generation from Nigeria. You're more African-American than any of them that are maybe six generations here. But you're not IPOC, so you don't count. Because you, you, you haven't been oppressed like they have. You, mm-hmm. you, your ancestors didn't grow up through slavery and Jim Crow and, you know, and redlining. The, the, interesting, and, the interesting part about that is, is that the person fresh off the boat is more apt to succeed here in America than people that have lived here for generations. Oh yeah, they definitely are. And they're more, they're more apt to come in and see the prospects and the possibilities. And you just got to kind of wonder about, you know, fundamentally, how can we change that? How can we get these people that don't see what's going on around them and, and the prospects and the opportunities that they have living here in America and what they could become like this guy that's fresh off and just got his citizenship and boom, there he goes. And he, you know, takes off like gangbusters and maybe he starts his own business or maybe he goes to school and learns a trade or whatever, but he makes a lot of money, you know, I mean, is it just the fact that they're stuck, you know, taking this government money. And so they, since they're doing that, they don't want to, you know, you love like, you know, love what you hate. Yeah. It's like, Oh, they're giving me money, you know, so I should be, but I hate them even though they're giving me money that, you know, keeps me alive and stuff like that. I mean, so <clears throat> I mean, I just, uh, you know, I guess it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure somebody's out there. Well, it's cause you're a white man, Russell. You don't understand. Right. No, I think uh, it comes. I think it comes down to if if your generation, if your first generation. Now I don't know. I mean, this is a, a blanket statement, but if your first generation that if you, let's say you lived in Nigeria and you came here to better your life, right? Mm-hmm. right. I would think you would upfront be more motivated to want to better it because you actually took that first step. 
than people who are native living here, multi-generation, black, white, doesn't matter. Because you, you're going to have such a large sea of people. You're going to have a lot of motivated people, but you're going to have a lot of unmotivated people, too, who just want to ride the system. White, black, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Because there's just right. as many white people riding the system oh, yeah. as there are black people. No, you're absolutely correct. And I've got a good story for that for you here in just a minute. Go ahead. But if you, you know, look into the ones who chose to come over here, you know, in your first generation, and you're just, I don't know, I would think really motivated. Now, that I don't know how well that transfers over to look at our southern border now, just because it's such a large volume of people coming. But to me, the ones that are coming, they're, they're still going to be, no, no matter what you're going to have, a lot of people are going to be motivated to better. And a lot of people are going to be motivated to take advantage of systems. So, And a lot of people um, are just criminals. Right. Um, and that can come from anywhere. Or you sure can just can. be here. You can be a ninth generation American and be just as big a criminal or just as Sure, because you're all, you're all mobbed up. Right. Um, Anyway, here's here's the interesting story. I was working in a convenience store when 9-11 happened. I had a lady come in. She was an older lady. She bought beer, cigarettes, and some grocery items. She was standing around. She was she was laughing about something having to do with 9-11. And uh, I was like, you know, I kind of said something. I don't exactly remember what it was I said. But then she looked at me, and she's like, well, what the F has this country ever done for me? And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking – you just used your EBT card or food stamps, whatever was prevalent at the time, to purchase some of the th- – and you're saying that this country's never done anything right. for you. That That's just – you know, that's just – they're basically – someone's someone gave up money that they could have spent on their own children and on their own family. Of course, now they did give it up at gunpoint because the government takes your money. They just don't ask for it politely. You know, they took it. And then the government turned around and gave it to you so that you could eat another day. Right. Now, you brought, I don't know, candy bars and potato chips with it. It ain't exactly the best thing in the world, but hey, teach his own. Yeah. And, but all of a sudden, the country hasn't done anything for you. I know. And so, you're pulling money from them. I'm like, okay, fine. If, the gov- if you don't think America's done anything for you, then why don't you just like not get that anymore? Yeah, Don't get one, the food stamps anymore. Just send them back. There because, once hey. was a day when a man asked, what can I do for my country? Not what can my country do for me? I know mm-hmm. that's, that's backwards, but that's how I wrote it. No, I think that's the way JFK said it. No, he said, uh, ask not what you can do for your, or what your country. Well, how do you say it? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Yes, Exactly. I just said it in what what uh, I can do for my country, not what can my country do for me. Right. Same same sentiment, but yeah, just worded a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, that that was just another little post I threw up on Facebook the other day. But that I started with re- yeah, relying on the government for help is not an American value. Um, no. No matter how much we look at it is the government doesn't need to feed me. The government needs to make it to where I have the ability to work and feed myself. You know, the government mm-hmm. doesn't need to provide housing for me. They need to make it to where I can compete with everyone else to 
provide for myself, that I can work and provide for myself. And see, and here's the thing. The Democrats aren't fulfilling that end of because, I mean, if if that was the end goal was we're not that we're trying to get uh, people on the food stamps and onto assistance. Let's say the end goal is to get them off. Then that's not you would think you would think that, you know, you wouldn't want to raise taxes. You would want to actually lower them to make it easier for businesses to do business so that, you know, more people, they can offer more jobs. And they can still have the return on their investment. Like I said, capitalism is it's it's raised more people up out of poverty, but it just seems like the Democrats all they want to do is shut it down. Yeah. Well, they want to turn they, off they want to turn that engine off. They want to make things as bad as possible because when things are as bad as they can possibly be, that's when the Democrat Party flourishes. Right. They don't want you and to have do, the right to work. They want you to have the right to have. They want to give you stuff. They want to feed you. They want to provide everything. Ideally, Joe Biden would love it if Amazon was the only supplier of everything on the planet. Mm -hmm. And we could tax them 90% rate so that everything we, the government could take all of the money, give it to all the people. All the people could cycle it back into Amazon Everything is a constant flow, but through mm-hmm. the government controlling it instead of the free market controlling it. Right. Because they would prefer they give you the money. They, they, they. And well, I, see, and that's, that's the thing. As far as Democrats go, they look at it as it's the government's money. It's not your money. Right. You didn't work for it. I mean, even though it says that it's a federal note. Uh, you know, and can be used for all debts, public and private. Right. Well, they the, believe that that gives them ownership of that dollar bill it, right. because it says it's a federal note. It's theirs. It's not yours. We just let you keep what you know, whatever it is we allow you to right. keep. That's what that, and you can use that for yourself. But they look at it as it. Eventually, they think that we're going to make it to the and. Like we were talking earlier with uh, digging ditches and advancement in technology and making things more efficient. Everything is going to become more efficient through automation to eventually a, a lot of jobs, if not the vast majority of jobs, will be replaced by automation. Sure. Um, sure. That, I mean, I've I, can, seen, I can see that. I've seen a company that uh, they're making. the. It's a software. It's a web website design. Um and the, the demo that they did for it was you gave it like a couple of websites that you liked here. And then here's like what, you know, here's the other parameters I want. I want to sell T-shirts. I want to do this. I want to have this. Um, and it it wrote the code and built the site for you based mm-hmm. off of your other likes and preferences. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it was it did in a matter of minutes what would take a team of coders to build a beautiful design site with all this back end work that was, it just did boom. So I know we have to have coders to make that, but at one point, what point does it become that the coding is written by coding? You know, the, that's AI, interesting. The AI is building that's itself it. and that demo that's, that's that they cool. did. Um, I can't remember. Well, what, and here's, Here's the thing. It has been historically proven through the numbers, you know, 
money coming in, money going out from the government and so on and so forth and taxes being paid and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's been proven that when taxes are lower, the money coming into the government actually increases because the people that have the money to spend are not as tight with it. They're more apt to be like, okay, you know, hey, it's cool. So logical progression of thought is, okay, if when taxes are lower, you're actually getting more money into the government. But then when Democrats get in office, the first thing they want to do is raise taxes. And so as they raise taxes more and more, the amount of money that actually is coming into the government is actually going to start coming down. So, and they know that they know that that's going to happen because then people start, you know, as the taxes get tax rates get increased, people start looking at it more. They start taking more of those deductions and, and, and all this other stuff. So you've got to frame this in the right way. If they know that they're going to get less money when they raise taxes, then what is the purpose of raising taxes? The only thing I can come up with, I think, and I've thought about it for quite a while, is you want to punish someone, period, for being successful. Right. Uh, mm, that's it. Yeah. That's that's the only reason to raise taxes. You know, plus the fact that okay, they're rich, they're in, they're probably not going to vote for me. So let's let's raise their taxes so that uh, you know it's like they got well, they're being petty. I, I and wanting revenge. I don't and know they if they're the intentionally they doing it or if they just don't understand cause and effect. Well, now that's interesting because I heard a story back several years ago that when uh, when they would when they actually still did budgets and stuff like that, right? That had to go through, you know. Uh, and it's like I said, this was a long time ago, but the uh, the accounting office that they that they use, you know, when they say, okay, look, if we're, we're going to raise taxes this much, how much more money is that going to bring into the government? The people that they get to do those jobs and to run those numbers weren't allowed to take into, uh, take into account the fact that people are going to start looking for more deductions and stuff like that. And thus are going to want to pay more money, pay less money into the government because nobody wants to pay as much taxes. Right. So, you know, They've told them just to run the number straight. So, like, say, if it was 28% and it's now 38, 35%, how much more money are we bringing into the government? And they're only allowed to run that thing. They're not allowed to actually run a real world scenario. And that's what the Democrats see. They're like, oh, here it is at 28%. This is how much money we would have gotten. But if we raise it to 35, this is how much money we're going to get. No, because as you take things up, the people that have the ability to take the deductions, and to do the stuff are going to do it, and they're going to be looking for more of them, so that they can pay even less and less and less. Because now you're taking more. See, they were comfortable here at 28, and they didn't care, or they didn't care as much. Right. You know, they, that was a good place. They thought that was a good place to be, and so you know, whatever. But as you take it up, you know, make to make those tax rates higher and higher, then people start looking for those things. It's like, okay, you know, these people that maybe just did the easy form. Now they're looking, you know, let's let's file the complex with all the deductions and everything and this you know depreciation on whatever and, and, and all this other things that, that companies do. They get more and more tight so that like I said, the actual money coming into the government actually goes down. And like I said, the only thing I can think of, the only reason that you would you would do this knowing that what's gonna happen is the fact that uh, you're wanting to punish somebody for just being successful. 
Yeah, that, that was my point. So I don't know if they intentionally do that. I mean, that's it's always a possibility. But I just don't. I sometimes. Well, you got to think, think if they F- don't. FDR had this. FDR had this mentality of picking winners and losers back during the Great Depression. Democrat Party still has probably has that right, mentality. Probably. It's like, okay, now we don't care if this company you know does well and makes it, but we don't want that one to do well and make it. Right. You know, so they're going to give this one. We're going to raise taxes. We're going to give this company all kinds of tax incentives and breaks and stuff like that. But then we're going to slam a whole bunch of new taxes on this guy over here because we don't want him to succeed, but we do want this one to succeed. Right. But I, I just think that sometimes they don't look at it. I mean, just like the people don't. I mean, for every dollar you're getting, like in in the stimulus money or in like any of the like PPP loans or the EIDL loans, all the grants, the stuff that they were doing all through COVID, all of that for every dollar that went out, and uh, it helped a lot of people in the immediate moment. But there's a lot of people that got stimulus that never missed one day of work that never was affected by COVID at all. It's just, I mean, I don't want to call it free money because there's no such thing. For every dollar that went out to somebody, it came from somewhere. Um, whether, well, yeah, sure. if- whether it come directly out of the pocket of somebody now or the pocket of somebody in the future, as far as mm-hmm. debt, it's, it's, it's being paid. Um, that's why I, yeah, I don't they, know if they're looking at the cause and effect of it because they're just looking at, okay, this is what we're doing, and they don't care about the effect, the, what's going to happen, the results of it. It's kind of like no, the- uh, no, You're right. You're right. You're right. They don't care about what's going to happen because all they're looking at is the right now. Right. If I can send this person enough money- then next election cycle, they're going to remember that I sent them X amount of dollars and they're going to vote for me or my party and right. keep us in power. Right. That's the, the whole or, thing. Or even you if know, they, we'll get, even if let's say their heart is in the right place, which I don't think a lot of it is. Um, I think like you said, most of it is just for control and power, but let's say like talk with education. Um, you know, they kept talking about um, free education, um, repaying back, past student loans, um, forgiving student loans, giving free education to everybody in the future. Um, Biden even did it in his address last night, talking about we, 12 years isn't enough for public education, you know, implying that well, we need to, that, that university should be included in all of that. Um, well, if, if, we're, if we're going to go down that road, then I, as a veteran, who got the GI Bill? Right. Which I, I basically I signed a portion of my life away, saying that I'm willing to to die right. for my country. And if I don't, when I get out, my country is going to you know give me money to go to school. Right. Which they didn't just give me. I had to put a portion of my check into this, and they matched or doubled it or whatever, and they put a portion in too. So it wasn't just me just getting a free money from the government. I actually had to put, you know, X amount of dollars in every month or every paycheck so that, you know, and then the government would match or whatever it is that they did. So if you're going to go back and say, you know, this is free or we're going to forgive all these student loans, then shouldn't you also forgive my GI bill and give it back to me? Right. Um, I mean, we don't, it, would, it would be only fair, would it not? I don't know. That's, 
<clears throat> depends on how you look at it as far that's kind of like saying all right when the iphone first come out i was a uh, an early adopter and i overpaid for it because it was a lot more expensive in, in the beginning um and you overpaid and then say three years into it the iphone was a lot cheaper just because of now the price has gone back up now just because of everything else but but there for a while or uh, take uh, iMacs. I remember, you know, the first iMac I bought was like, I don't know, twenty six, twenty eight hundred dollars You can get an iMac now for like $1,200. The same, be a better quality, better version than the one. That's like saying, okay, I paid into this to get this. Um, and then now, because of that, because we paid into it and it helped develop this system, now they they can actually get a cheaper version or a lower cost version. I don't want to say cheaper because it's actually a better quality even now than the old ones were. But I wouldn't be entitled to getting some of my money back. Okay. And here's another interesting question for you is if they decide to forgive these, uh, these student loans and decide to give money back to the people right, or whatever, then since they didn't actually pay for their degree, does the person have to give their degree back? Because at that point you didn't pay for it. Now all of a sudden it just turns into an honorary thing. It's like yeah, you know, yeah but that's like, that's like, no different than uh, let's say you I don't know go out and run up a bunch of credit cards and buy a whole bunch of furniture new furniture for your house and then you file bankruptcy and then they just wipe all that debt <clears throat> and then they don't come take all your furniture from you. They just wipe the debt. Um, but now, I mean, I, I don't think it, I think if they're going to, yeah, pay off somebody's student loans, they can pay off my mortgage. It's fine cool. with me since I don't have any student debt, but. Yeah, exactly. But what, you know, what are you going to do for the people? You know, what about the people that, you know, maybe learn to trade? Now I am all for, I mean, I'm all for um, continuing education. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, uh, because I think it is the government's, I don't want to say it's their responsibility, but for the betterment of society, we have to educate our children. Um, and I guess that's why we've always got to that point that when we stop educating our children, as far as free provided, was when they became an adult and then they're capable of providing well, for themselves. Here's um, the thing, though, if if it's the government's responsibility to to educate the next generation, then shouldn't there just be like necessary things being taught in school? You know, like maybe how you make a budget, uh, you know, history, arithmetic, you know, being able to read and write and understand, comprehend what you read and write, and you know how the tax system works and how. They only educate to the point of button pusher. I can push this button all day long. I'm just so good at pushing this button. Yeah. Look at me. I deserve $15 an hour to push this button because I'm so good at it. But they don't educate people in things that when it comes, when they actually get out of school and they get into the real world that they need to know about, you know, like mortgages and, right. and, and, and other things like that, you know, stuff that's going to affect you every day. Yeah, my daughter and I had that conversation you know, they, not they long ago. Something similar to that. See, I I don't think it's this their 
it, I don't think it's their obligation to teach you how to do things. I think it's their obligation to teach you how to learn. That's good. Because I, like I think. But a lot of the stuff that they're teaching in school and that they're using time up in school for are things that shouldn't be there. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I th- it's kind of like you going to the gym. If you pick up this barbell and then put it back down, that repetitive work, there is a benefit to it. Mm-hmm. The same way when you repetitively do work in school and they teach you how to do something and you mm-hmm. there's an exercise to it i mean the mo- a lot of the school work is called exercise Ex- exercise 3.2 exercise 4.1 you know in your books and i mean i, I right. always viewed a lot of that as as an actual exercise what you're actually doing is kind of meaningless and worthless other than you're actually exercising your brain and you're teaching yourself. You're learning how to, I don't know, how to uh, think and process. Because I think yeah. some, some of it, now I'm, I'm not for so, even so, like memorization. I think memorization, there is a point to it because it's a brain exercise. It actually works and stimulates your brain in a way to strengthen it and make it better. Um, but I think the purpose of memorization is meaningless because in the palm of you ha- in your hand, you have access to everything you, you ever need to memorize. That's, that's true. Uh, well, okay. So that being said, how do you feel? I mean, me personally, the department of education that's in Washington, DC, I think is totally useless. Right. Okay. Before we had a department of education, uh, we had students that, are, that, you know, higher grade point average. Well, not really that higher grade point average, but we graduated people that were smarter. I'm just going to say it, you know, straight out there. But after, you know, we spent less money per capita per each student. And the product that came out of our public schools before there was a Department of Education was actually better than the after that that might be a, a that's possibly as a total whole, but I know for a fact both of my kids are smarter than I was when I graduated. <laughs> yeah, that I mean not not just I'm talking not just intelligence based on that. They know more when it comes to well I won't say everything in school because there's a lot of things we learned in school that when I talk to them about um, they don't. They don't. They never even touched in school. <laughs> but then there's a ton of stuff that they do when it comes to mathematics and a lot of you know. And we had advanced math. We had a lot of things like that. But it's just different, I guess. But I I think that they're they're smarter than I was. They're they're better educated than I was when I graduated. But I don't know that as a whole. And that could just be. I think we have a pretty good, our high school here, our school system in Harlan, the, the independent, the city, it, I think is a, is, I mean, it's got its flaws, but I think it did a pretty good. Now the past year and a half has been horrible. The education that they've given, um, Mm -hmm. just, but that's because of COVID, not because of, uh, that's just more the way the structure is, but 
but like you said, teaching well, them how to, I mean, write checks and do stuff like that. I don't think that there's need for that in a class. Well, not not necessarily writing checks. Right, but that, Which, that's I mean, always the example. I always, that's always the example I hear people say that you know they don't teach them how to do anything in school. They don't. They don't know how to write checks. They don't know how to. I mean, practical rubber meets the road kind of stuff. Right. To me, that's parenting. That's the stuff that you, as a parent, should be teaching your child. The school should be teaching them how to think and then exercising that that cognitive ability every day. And then you should be teaching them the practical, basic, I don't know, day-to-day things. And I know a lot of people say they just don't have the time. All right, Dave. I'll see you later, man. See you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from us, you can go to sociallysensitive.com. And follow us on Instagram at Socially Sensitive and on Twitter at Socially Sense. Thanks again, and see you next time.